Welcome to the Mercenary Musician Podcast, folks. I'm Peter Coulter. We got Chad Broussard over here. We are going to tell you about the common characters you're going to run into in this world, this crazy old world here. This is going to be a two-part episode. Uh, the first part is about the common characters among the staff and co-workers you're going to be working with. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Mercenary Musician Podcast. It's Peter and Chad with you, and today we're going to be discussing common characters you can expect to meet when you're out there gigging. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is going to be a fun one. I know we say that almost every episode. Yeah, but we mean it this time. They're always fun, though. Even if it's you know mundane stuff, we make it fun. So I agree. Today, common characters... Let's start with the staff. All right. Well, the first person you're probably going to run into is the person who's booking you, who's probably a bar manager or possibly the owner if you're working at a, at a smallish type of place. There are different varieties of manager. You can run into the manager who kind of gets it, or there's a manager who kind of doesn't get it. Um, and there's obviously a spectrum of a manager who violently doesn't get it or extremely gets it obviously you want to be working with the one who gets it and by gets it i mean the one who understands the value of live music the value of having live entertainment more generally in their place and we've kind of talked about what what the value is of of uh live entertainment and what you're bringing to the table basically you want you want managers who understand what that is I, i've told this story before, but there was a guy once who uh, was playing in a duo and he goes, you know, I don't know why we do live music. Uh, I, I don't see, like, you know, like we've been playing there for like three weeks. And he's like, I don't see any appreciable change in the numbers when you guys are here versus when you're not here. I'm like, all right, this is not going to work. You know, I mean, I I didn't tell him that. I didn't fire myself, but I, I was like, in my head, I was like, well, this is not going to work. This guy just not, does not get this. So a couple different, there's all different kinds of bar manager types here and some are very cool some are very uncool i am pretty much strictly working with cool ones now and it's because i kind of know what to look for i know who i want to work with and i i can pick out red flags pretty pretty early on and pretty from pretty far away these days we've been, we've gone over this before but big red flag what's your draw like my draw is zero i, I mean i don't i don't have a draw that I bring to my six cover gigs that I play a week in Fort Myers. You know, it's like I, I do this as a full-time job. I don't bring a little crowd with me to work everywhere I go. That's not what my job is. My yeah. job is not to bring a crowd to your bar. That's not what I'm doing. I'm entertaining people at the bar. I might bring a couple. I will advertise for it. I'll put it on my Instagram and my Facebook and I'll, uh, you know, I'm, I may mention it word of mouth to a couple of friends if I know they live near the place or something. But it, and it, that's really only going to be uh, the Instagram and Facebook promotion stuff should be ongoing. But the word of mouth stuff is only going to be once in the beginning. Mm -hmm. hey, I got a new gig near your house. Just letting you know, I'll be there on Fridays. Yeah. yeah. So that's a that's an example of a bar manager who doesn't get it. What's your draw like? Well, I don't know. What's your chef's draw like? You know, that's it's like asking, what are your servers draw like? No, you hire people to do a job in your place. Anyway, what you're looking for is a promoter bar manager who doesn't get it. So those are your kind of two main types of bar manager. Um, I'm actually I have a great example of a bar manager who does get it. 
she was talking to me the other day and she said, you know, and these these people who get it will hire you through even off season if you have one where you live. They'll keep you on the books through off season because again, cuz they get it. They understand what the value of live entertainment is. They understand what you're bringing to the table. They can see it even if the numbers don't exactly excuse me, even if the numbers don't exactly reflect it perfectly every time where it's like, "Oh, the numbers are better today than they were yesterday because Peter's here." That's even if that is not being reflected, they understand that what they're showing to the customers who are showing up in off season when you're there is that they care about even those customers, even when it's slow, they want to be, they want to have something there to entertain you. Mm-hmm. So yes, common character. Number one, bar manager, two varieties, good and bad bar manager. <laughs> yeah. 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 It might be a third. Uh, yeah. Like so the there's new managers. Yes, yeah, and I think we should we should split off into into owner also because that's a slightly different thing. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, there's probably a third type of bar manager here. There's kind of like the coachable bar manager who doesn't quite get it yet. Yeah, somebody who's kind of new to the idea of having live entertainment and isn't totally sure what the deal is with it, but is kind of open to having it shown and explained to them, and uh, that can be. That can be a good situation because you can, um, you know, kind of guide this person down the right down the right path. If you are if you know kind of what you're doing and you and you see that the venue is a place that could fit live entertainment quite well, knowing how to explain that to to a bar manager could be could be pretty valuable. So, for instance, if you are looking at a restaurant that has a lot of foot traffic going by where you'd be maybe outside under a covered patio type of thing where people walking by could hear you and see you that, and they don't have entertainment, but they got foot traffic walking by kind of like oh, looking at the patio and just kind of walking, walking by. That is like the perfect situation for, for live music is lots of foot traffic, lots of competition between restaurants, lots of people who are kind of just generally going out to eat and don't exactly know where or they're shopping. Malls are perfect for this. Outdoor mm-hmm. malls are like really excellent for, for this type of live entertainment because you can show up and compete directly for attention. You're just like, Hey, I know there's a restaurant right next door, but there is a musician over here. So we're going to this one. Yes. So coachable, coachable bar manager who just doesn't quite get it yet. That's another third variety. Um, I want to get into the owner. That's another character here. And you may not actually run into owners depending on the size of the place you're working with. But I have found that even even the biggest, most chain-like restaurants that I work with, you, I, I've, I've met the owner of, of even the biggest one. And really nice guy in this one, one particular case. I'm not going to name names or name the restaurant. But the, the owner of this chain, it's like 13 or 14 restaurants, really hands-on, really uh, really particularly loves the one location that I, that I actually play at. So is there, you know, once a month or so. He's kind of between a couple, uh, two states. But the, the thing with owners is they, again, this can kind of go one of two ways. They, they can kind of have like a, a really specific vision for what they want out of the entertainment. And I've had this happen the bad way before where an owner had a very specific vision for what he wanted this to be. And 
he was trying to squeeze me and the other guy in the duo into this weird thing that was just like not something we were ever going to do. I can play upright bass and there's no way that this owner could have known that, but he asked if I did. And he's like, can you play upright bass? There's this other, there's this other group in town that, that uh, plays a lot. It's called the hot buttered nuggets. You might've heard of them. And they're like, uh, I think it's a duo. They're, you know, older people. We're in Southwest Florida, so, like, everyone's old here. They're, you know, some older, kind of, like, semi-retired musicians who are, you know, I, I, I get the sense that they're, like, semi-hobbyists. Like, they're retired and don't actually need the money like like I do. It's not, like, I, I'm not I'm not totally sure. So, if you're the hot butter nuggets and you're hearing this clenching your fist in, in rage, I'm sorry. But they're, they're very good. They got this kind of, like, Dixieland jazz thing to them. There's an upright bass. There's, like, a, it's got, like, this... Like washboard thing to it. Yeah, like, I saw you know, them at Pointy Bell yeah, a couple of years ago. Yeah, and they're fun and people love them. And the guy saw them and was like, "Oh, I want something like that in my place." And I'm like, and like was trying to squeeze us into that box. And so that's where the owner, as a character, can go wrong, is when the owner has a really specific weird vision. And they're just like, "All right, so I want you to put blue body paint on and a black turtleneck and do like this blue man group." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I was just. You know, like if he sees something he likes and is just like, this is how I want it to be. It's got to be this. The other way it can go is an owner who's just like, cool, you're sick. I like having you in my in my place. Ideal. That's ideal. And that's, you know, I, that's mostly what I've run into. Most, I mean, restaurant owners, it's, it's such a tough industry. You run into kind of one of two people. I know I keep doing this one of two people thing, but it's either people who love restaurants you know, who like love owning a restaurant because there's really only that's the only way you can continue doing it because it's so hard. It's it's similar with, with being a musician is the only way to to really to do it long term is to love it because it's so difficult and can be so thankless sometimes. So you kind of run into those. And the most again, most of the restaurant owners I know are like that. They're like, I just love this. This is great. And well, maybe although I, I will say maybe I have a a bit of a skewed vision of this because I only work with successful restaurants, <laughs> you know, so I'm, I'm only, only talking to successful restaurant owners, put it this way, the, the hot, but the guy who wanted us to be the hot buttered nuggets, I don't think he owns that restaurant anymore. So mm-hmm. that, and, and I stopped playing there years ago. So but the other way that restaurant owners can be is aggressive, crazy people. And that obviously is someone you don't want to work with. So keep your eye out for that. Another, another interesting kind of structure here is between owners. I'm doing like a little hierarchy thing with my hands. Owners at the top, then you got a bar manager who's doing the booking, and then you, right? So uh, I've got a situation in one particular case where the owner absolutely adores me. And it's just like, I'm sure that if I talk directly to the owner, he'd give me this raise that I'm trying to get. But the person who's booking me is a little bit, has a different personality. And I have asked her for a raise, and she's kind of pushed back on it. And so there can be this kind of, weird dance where you don't want to go over the person who's booking you's head to talk to the owner. But at the same time, the owner is probably more easier to talk to about, about this type of thing. Yeah. So, uh, you know, a lot of times you'll, you can run into these, these bar managers who often, I used to, I used to work in restaurants as a, I mean, I still work in restaurants, but I, I used to be a waiter and there's a really interesting thing that can happen with bar managers who are basically just waiters who, and different restaurants do this differently. I'm not talking about all bar managers. Some people are just front of house managers and that's their job. They've, 
you know, they're just front of house managers and they'll help wait tables and bus and wash dishes and stuff if they have to get in the trenches, but their job is to be the manager. A lot of these restaurants, kind of like smaller mom and pop places, will do a thing where, oh, they've just got a waiter who's been here for since they opened for five years and he is now, he or she is, is now also the manager. So they're waiting tables and managing, which in my experience is a conflict of interest because they give themselves the best table section. Unless they're a good manager. Unless they're a good manager, which they just usually aren't because they're waiters. Not that a waiter can't be a good manager, but they're waiters first. They've been waiters for five years, and they just happen to know this restaurant very well. So now they're the manager, and there's this weird thing where that person can very often be what I consider the worst version of power wielding, Mm -hmm. where they're just like, oh, cool, I'm like slightly above all these other waiters, and I'm just going to like put my boot on their neck and just be, they're just the worst. Like I've had a couple times this happen to me where this like waiter slash manager person is the worst person in the world. It's just like, you are just so horrible. And it's, it's because they've got like this tiny little taste of power and they just need to Lord it over whoever it is possible to Lord it over, which yeah. is the four waiters who uh, four other waiters who work there. So you can run into that sometimes with the bar manager slash waiter thing where they're just like, they're just going to posture up and just be They're They're going to use this one place in the rest of their, where there's no other power in the rest of their life. They're going to use this one place to like be a dick. You know? Now it should be stated that there's difference between a restaurant manager and a bar manager. Bar managers tend to be a little bit more relaxed and fun because they are dealing with alcohol. They're used to having late nights. Restaurant manager is different. Like Peter said, Usually, their background is in serving, not bartending. They don't really have to deal with entertainment on a regular basis, so putting them into that position might be a little foreign at first. Not necessarily always the case with bar managers. Just remember, there's two different variations to management in the restaurant. There's going to be your front-of-house restaurant manager, and then there's your bar manager, and then in the back, you have your back-of-house, which is usually like your head chef. Yeah, so. you're not going to be talking to back-of-house manager no. at all, really. No. Mm, okay, cool. I didn't. I actually am not sure that I was making a distinction between bar manager and restaurant manager as much. In, in my experience, I've, I've run into a lot of people who kind of, their restaurant slash bar, their kind of just front of house is all one thing. Interesting. I could see how that, there could be a distinction made there yeah. for sure. Yeah, big difference. Okay, we've talked about managers and owners. Let's get into the actual wait staff. The actual wait staff, my, my favorite people, really. Backbreakers. Waiters, servers, bartenders. These are going to be your friends. Especially, it tends to be the bartender is kind of your your uh, your contact. That's the person who will usually put your food order in. Tip these people. We've talked about this before. If you get service from these people, tip them. Certainly, like the first five, ten times you work there, you don't. I mean, at a certain point, you don't have to do it every time, really. Uh, but like, let them know that you know that they're doing a job and that you care. You know, care about them. Be just be friends with them. This is this is where just the general feel of you being around is positive, right? So you should be friends with all these people. You should kind of know them, not kind of. You should know the ones you work with by name. A lot of times, for instance, if I see somebody somebody at a table kind of freaking out and they're trying to trying to hail down a waiter and the waiter doesn't see him, I could say over the mic, say, "Hey, Anthony, got a table over here looking for you," kind of thing. You know, they often appreciate that. You can say. You know, hey, take care of bartenders and servers. I know 
Anthony right here is working real hard. He's doing a good job and blah, blah, blah. You know, knowing these people by name, being friends with them is is important. It's just, you know, it's just like another workplace. Well, and also when the manager is not on site, whoever that bartender is usually is the point of contact. Right. To kind of feel out how that, you know, that that night went. How was the entertainment? How did Peter do? You know, should we have him back? Yep. Yep. So be friends with the bartender. They're usually fun people. Bartenders and waiters are, you know, often there there are a few different varieties. They're all different kinds. There's differences, man. Yeah. Bartenders are I wouldn't say superior, but they're they're a bartender is selling a poison to someone whereas <laughs> a server is serving them their food. Right. Like there's there's a bartender yeah. is slightly elevated in like the social sphere of things. Oh, definitely. Bartenders put it this way, bartenders tend to be more fun. I'll say this. A bartender is perceived in the restaurant industry as a promotion from waiter. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. It is. You make you generally make more money as a bartender. You do less it's work. A, it's a, you do less work, but it's also a more specialized job. It's a tougher job. Not, not tougher, but you got to know how to make drinks. Certainly not tougher. Yeah, it's not it's not <laughs> tougher like it's not like roofing, but you got to you got to know how to make drinks. You have to have specialized knowledge that waiters don't have to have. So like that's that's why you know a 18-year-old college student is usually not a bartender. That person is a waiter. And if they're going to be a bartender, they have to be trained. You transition by bar. to a bar back first. Yeah, well, that's sort of like a that's like a busser for for bars. For no. bars, yeah. No. But it gives you the opportunity to kind of see how everything works from the back side of things. Yeah. On your downtime, you can kind of talk amongst the bartenders and kind of get the tips and tricks. And I'll tell you one of the first things when I was coming into bartending, I had no prior knowledge of how to bartend. Yeah. But I had a bartending app and <laughs> I could actually, when I was taking someone's order, I could look down at the app and quickly type in whatever the drink was if I didn't know it. Yeah. Like if you have your head on your shoulders, you can definitely find a way to navigate through. I mean, this applies to anything in life. It just even if you're not comfortable doing the job, take it and learn how to do it on the fly. Have confidence in yourself. Totally. And that, that's actually, I mean, that's kind of brings us to an interesting thought about about this. You can you can kind of jump into doing doing the music thing before you're perfect. And I highly recommend you do that. I mean, if, if I were to go watch my show six years ago, I'd cringe a bit. But Which we'll probably end up doing the same thing with the podcast. Yeah. Oh, yes. You we definitely will. Yeah, it's absolutely. all a work in progress. You know, you ju- it's uh, something I heard is like, it's the FitFo method. Figure it the fuck out. Yeah, and just, fake it till you make it too. Fake it till you make but it, but at least do yeah. something. Yeah, right. And keep just keep an eye. Always, just always be learning. That's be a sponge. Be a be a sponge. That's my a mercenary sponge. That's my that's my like number one rule in life is when something goes wrong or right. I'm trying to like remind myself constantly. What can I learn here? Yeah, what's the lesson? What can I What can I learn here? Yeah. Yeah. So. All right, so bartenders, servers. Bartenders, servers, get to know them. Host and hostess, uh, you're not going to talk to these people that much. Well, actually, I take that back. You're going to probably talk to them first if you're making phone calls. Mm-hmm. This will be the person you talk to first just to uh, try to get in touch with the manager. By the way, if you're calling a restaurant, do not call them at 6.30 p.m. Yep. Do not call them if they're open for lunch. Don't call them at noon or 12.30. Yep. Call at like 3.00. 2.30 p.m. And here's a tip for you. If you want a better shot of actually getting through to the manager and not having the hostess ask who you are and what you're calling for, get the manager's first name. Don't address him as Mr. Smith. Call him John. 
Yeah. Hey, I need to t- I need to speak with John. Can I speak with John, please? Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, sure. And they, they'll ask who it is and, and what it's about. Not usually. necessarily always. If okay. you use the first name, I find that doesn't happen. When you call that's and say Mr. Smith, you come off as someone who's trying to sell something. Yeah, You're not, it's, it's not a, um, a formal conversation. Like, you, you know, what I, for, for instance, this past week, I've been contacting different hotels, just seeing you know, what's going on in the area. Uh-huh. If you want to get through to a manager, use their first name. They put you right through. That's a good good tip. If you say Miss Smith or Mr. Smith, they're going to say, hmm, this person doesn't sound like they you know, have uh, right. spoken before. What, what is this what's about? What's going on here? Am I going to get in trouble for putting this, yeah. this uh, telemarketer yeah. through? So know what you're saying. Yeah. Say it directly. Get through that first uh, blockade, if you will. Yes. Okay, so host or hostess. Uh, I'm going to say one other thing about the host or hostess. Sometimes, and maybe this is just a little too, maybe this is a little too specific a situation, but the host and hostess, they seat people, right? That's their, basically the entire job. Be the first thing you see at a restaurant, they put people in their seats. So it can be useful to talk to a host and say, hey, would you mind letting people know when you're seating them like right in front of me, if, especially if I'm on break? Would you mind letting them know that there's music here mm-hmm. and see that they're okay with it? Because I've had this happen before where, and it's, it's funny, like a host will even try to do, will, not realizing that they're fucking something up, will try to do this. Where they're like, oh, the musician's on break. Now I can seat those tables right fucking in front of the musician. It, which is basically like they're trying to trick a, a patron. I, I've had this happen before where they're like, oh, cool, I can like sneak some tables into the front row where nobody wants to sit right in front of the speaker. And then I get back, and these people, they're old people, you know, and they're like, oh, fuck. We're in the woofer. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, first of all, if you're a patron, look a fucking round you. Like, look, oh, a speaker, a guitar, a chair, a tip jar. Nothing's going on here. Mm-hmm. This will, and, and then I sit back, and they look all fucking shocked. This, this has happened to me many, many times. So, and it's, sometimes it happens the other way, where they seat somebody in front of the speaker, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, they just... They just sat people six feet away from me while I was on break. These people are going to be all upset when I sit down. And it turns out they are surprised. They're like, oh, a musician. But they're like pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. Or they, at first they're worried. They're like, oh, my God, is this going to be way too loud? And then I start playing because I'm very considerate like you should be. And I impress them and they're happy to be there. Or there's there's some other ways to kind of like snake your way through this. Say it immediately. If you see st- if you see shocked and dismayed looks on people's faces, address it. Don't just be like, I'm not going to make eye contact. I'm just going to start playing. Don't even look at them. You know, just sit down and say, hey, guys, I'm Peter. Uh, I'm going to play some songs for you. I'm here from whenever to whenever. Let me know if I'm too loud. I know you guys got set right in front of me just now. So mm-hmm. I'm here for you. All right. That is a do that. Like, just do that. Yeah. Don't, it's don't it's ignore it. too loud. It. Pull Larry David, take a napkin, split it in two, and put it in each ear. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we got the hostess. We talked more about the hostess than I was expecting to. Valet. This is an interesting one. I don't run into these guys very much. Uh, I, I suppose I used to back when I wasn't using my hand cart like an idiot. Mm. But you should get a hand cart, and then you won't ever have to deal with valet, pretty much. That's the one. The, the reason you would have to deal, deal with a valet is when you're trying to put your car somewhere. Put the hazards on, unload all your gear, yeah, and like then park city. your car. Yeah, yes, in, in a big restaurants. city. Yeah, that's true. You may you may hotels. have to, uh, hotels, nicer restaurants, yeah. basically like anywhere in Naples. <laughs> yeah, Naples is fancy. Naples is Fort Myers' rich, sexy cousin. <clears throat> God's waiting room. 
Well, the whole this whole state is God's waiting room, but that is the actual <coughs> waiting room. <laughs> right. Yeah. That is the final waiting room. Yeah. Okay. And just it's it's all the same. This is all the same stuff dealing with people. It's all the same rules. Be kind, be courteous, be thoughtful. Ask ask permission for things. Just it's just not brain surgery, guys. It's no. just Hey man, do you mind if I put my car here for just one second and unload my stuff? And they'll say yeah, or they'll say ah man, I can't right now. I'm bi- super busy. I, I need this space. How about right there? And they'll help you out. Just like talk to people. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, just, remember they are people. They are people. Everybody is people, and some people suck. But you, you can find that out. Still, you should still be nice to them. Well, and a, a lot of times you can diffuse that anyway. Even if even if somebody's an asshole, you still just keep relentless kindness get the first name that's so powerful talking on first name basis i mean yeah. people don't remember people's first names yeah you know that's a great i mean that's a, that's great that's great advice it's and if I mean, it really is start with the janitor i mean let's be real yeah. everyone at the end of the day is a person and when we've discussed this in the past when you are on the side of the venue that you're about to play at you're a team member yeah. You're a part of that business for, Absolutely. That, for those two to four hours that you're there. 100%. You are so, part, you're part the of the team. Drink the fucking Kool-Aid yes. and be friendly. Yep. Yep. You are. I, I like to consider myself basically a waiter or a host. When somebody asks me a question, I want to know the answers to questions that people ask. If somebody asks you a question, like when I'm getting set up at my brunch gig in the morning, so, hey, what, what time are you guys open? We open at 11. I know, I know that. I mean, I know that because I start when we open. That's an mm-hmm. easy one. But things like that, if you get asked questions... If you get asked a question more than once or even just once that you don't know the answer to at a restaurant, learn it. Write it down and figure it out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't even need to write it down usually. It's the simple stuff. Just lo- You just need to know that the waiter knows. Mm-hmm. That's It's not crazy. Oh, I do want to say one. I want to back up real quick. One thing about bar managers. I've got a great bar manager who I work with. I love her uh, at my brunch gig. She just recently helped me get a raise. So this is a pretty hierarchical. This is, this is the chain restaurant that I've talked about. It's got like 13 or so locations. And she didn't have the power to give me a raise herself. She had to ask her boss. And her boss said, well, what do you think? Is he, is he worth it? And she said, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And he goes, all right, done. And I got the raise. So I'm making, you know, 300 a, a morning instead of 250 So I'm getting her a gift. And I, I asked one of the servers who I know, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the bartenders I know, what she is into. Like what would be an appropriate like $50 gift to get for her? You know, I'm going to spend the, the first day's raise money on her to show her that I appreciate that she went to bat for me like that. Yeah. And it's just stuff like that. Just treat these people like people and be nice and be thoughtful. And the fact that I know the bartender well enough to ask, hey, what is the uh, what is she into mm-hmm. that like would be an appropriate gift? You know, I thought you were just going to give her like your uh, your your new CD coming out. Yeah. Here's my <laughs> mixtape. Thanks. Circle back around to bar manager and bar uh, bartender there. So this next person, you're probably not going to encounter them at a restaurant. Probably not. Maybe at a country club? Possibly, but also probably not. Okay. Uh, definitely higher end hotels have them. Venues. This is going to be more at like venues, like a concert, like concert venues. venues. Okay. And that's um, the sound guy. The sound guy. And this is basically going to be you for the most part. But in the event that you do run into a sound guy... Actually, uh, let me say one thing real quick. Sometimes, like larger bands, if you're in like a, a band, uh, I was just talking to a buddy of mine who who does this. Not He doesn't do the, the gigging as his full-time job. He's a sound engineer. I actually, I love working with this guy. We're going to have him on the podcast at some point. He's very knowledgeable. He, he's, the, he's the guy who hooks me up with uh, 
helps me pick my gear out, basically. He's the mm-hmm. guy who sold me this mixer that we're using right now. Anyway, he has a band that is a little more of a hobby. It's more of a fun thing for him. He hires his own sound guy to come out to the to his band gigs. That's not something you're going to want to do as a solo artist. You need to learn how to mix your own sound. But running into a sound guy, sound guys can be maybe, they might be the prickliest person you're ever going to run into Interesting. in the music industry. They can be so weird and mean and short and snappy. Partly it's because they get shit on all the time. It's like they get shafted. They get the raw end of the deal for who messed something up. Why does this not sound good? This doesn't sound good. I uh, I need more of my monitor. You're fucking the sound up. You know, that, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Musicians are often very mean to sound guys. And sound guys are often very mean to musicians. You know, there's just, there's like a tension there. This, it, again, this doesn't apply very directly to what we're doing here as solo artists, solo cover musicians. But when you do run into sound guys, again, it's the same thing. It's even more important here. Kill them with kindness. They're, they're, they're likely going to be assholes. It's like maybe half the sound guys I've met have been like actual assholes. Then wow. 25% are just kind of like, they're just not there yet. <laughs> they're not there they're on yet. Their way. And then 25% are like pretty nice guys. And then like, Every once in a while, there's like a, a really nice, cool one. I actually have one in mind right now. So if you're listening to this and you're a sound guy who's worked with me, and you're like, what? He says we're all assholes. You might be the one guy that I like. Yeah. Might <laughs> you, be. you probably know who you are. You're not going to deal with sound guys too much. You're going to be the sound guy. And there is going to be one of my favorite episodes. Uh, this might be the, uh, the Caleb Neff episode. Caleb Neff is the sound engineer guy I was just talking about, whose name I have not dropped yet. It's been dropped. Uh, yeah. Juniper Recordings, by the way. If you're ever in Fort Myers, Cape Coral, uh, you want to record some songs, reach out to him. He he may not work with you. He doesn't just work with everybody, but if you are the right fit, he will. Yep. So Check out the touch. course notes. Booking agents. Yeah. This is a this is an interesting one. My my view on booking agents has evolved um, over the years. I think that I may become one in the next year or two to some extent. It can be done well. It can be done poorly. This is another thing where uh, a booking agent could be kind of kind of like that waiter slash bar manager guy, where uh, he's kind of a, a dick because he's got this little tiny bit of power and he's exercising it and he just wants to. He just that's that's where he gets off. He gets off on being a bit of a dick. I have run into booking agents like that. I have also run into very kind and attentive booking agents and I have I have some friends who have become booking agents who do a very good job at it and basically this is just a person who has a lot of connections knows a lot of venues knows a lot of places that need live music and knows a lot of musicians and he just puts those two together that's the whole that's the whole job booking agents can be really good if you have a pretty open schedule and you impress one they can fill your schedule up like in a day sometimes, you know, just be like, okay, now your whole week is spoken for. They are taking a cut. That's why they do it. They take a little cut of your gigs. The best ones I find are very transparent about that. They're like, yeah, I take 50 bucks a gig. You get 250 or or you tell them what your rates are and they'll try to find you stuff like that. And you can let them know you're flexible. If they, you know, if they find something that's really cool and it's a little below your rate, let them know they can, they can float it by you. I am working with a company called beat gig which so far so good. I've booked one gig with them. They reached out to me and I, you know, raised an eyebrow at it immediately because you, you know, somebody calling me and trying to sell me something. It sounded like at first, um, the guy's like, Hey, uh, what's your, uh, uh, we're a booking 
agent company, and they're they're across the entire state. And the guys like they they put like one person on your region. So I've got like one guy that I talked to, Luke, and he's like, "Hey, I got a gig for you. It's a hundred bucks an hour at this country club." I said, "Cool, that's that's my rate." I mean, that's, you know, it's becoming my floor rate, yeah. but that's, that works. Uh, okay, cool. And they, you have like, you put together a little profile. You got to have a video of yourself. You got to have a bio and a photo or two, and you just put together this little profile and uh, they can book you and they can just float gigs by you and say, Hey, I got, I got gigs. And so if they can meet your rate, just know they're taking a cut. Don't be offended by that. If they can meet your rate, that's fine. Take the gig. If the gig's good, then take it. Um, and so developing good relationships with booking agents can be very valuable. I've got a buddy who lives in Atlanta, who we've spoken about on the show before, Keith Klug, who I, I absolutely love. He's a great guy. Also, also um, mutual friends with Caleb Neff. It's you know small community down here. And uh, he moved up to Atlanta. His uh, fiance got a, a great job they couldn't turn down. He was doing essentially the exact job I'm doing down here. Um, solo, full-time solo guy and met this booking agent in a bar, you know, he was just chatting with some other musicians he knew up there. He was doing his networking thing, which I encourage everyone to always do chatting with people, talk to the musician in the bar. The musician in the bar was chatting with the booking agent. So, um, these are not the exact details of the story, but it was something like this, you know, met the booking agent said, yeah, I, I do this full time and Fort Myers just moved up here. Cool, get me a video, boom, his his schedule was booked immediately. It was just like, cool, I'm like, I'm working. And like, just like that. So booking agents can be very valuable if you got a, if you got a totally empty schedule. On that note, music, a lot of booking agents just become booking agents because they're musicians like me who would just have too much work. I just, I turn down gigs now, and what I could do is take some of those gigs and say, hey, man, you want to play this gig for 200 bucks? I'm going to keep 50 bucks because I'm your booking agent now. Yeah. It's two, it pays $250, i will give you 200 And a lot of people, like I'm sure many of you out there sitting around thinking, shit, that would be awesome if somebody would just call me up and say, hey, I have a gig for you. It's 50 bucks less than they're willing to pay, but you didn't have to find the gig. you know. Yeah. So that's, you know, I, I used to really not like booking agents. And part of it was because what I would find early on is I'd be, you know, beating the bricks, running around town trying to book gigs. And I'd go to a restaurant and they'd say, oh, yeah, we book everything through a booking agent. Call this guy. And then I'd have to call him. And basically, I'm still doing all the fucking work, but I'm giving this dude 50 bucks for it. You know, it's just like. Doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. So it can make sense if you meet a booking agent who books your schedule out for you. It doesn't make sense if you walk into a restaurant and they're like, okay, you need to call our booking agent to book here. It's just like, that's annoying. But I mean, sometimes those gigs can be, if that's a really great gig, it could still be worth calling the booking agent, trying to book it. But to me, that was just annoying as hell. Okay. So that is the common characters for staff. And that's going to do it for part one of the common character series. Part two will be coming out next week where we're going to dive into the actual audience characters. I think this, I think that's going to be the really fun one. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening, folks. If you like this episode, stick with us for part two coming out next week. In the meantime, check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Podbean Podcast, Audible through Amazon, 
Uh, send us emails at peter at mercenarymethods.com and chad at mercenarymethods.com. Get at us on Instagram and Facebook. We're going to be on TikTok here soon. YouTube as well. Take it easy. <laughs>